Well, it's Friday again, and I have some stuff that I've done. So I started with some research into what Pitar recommended for me to look into on one of the comments on the last episode. And thank you, by the way, Pitar, for the, uh, the comment letting me know that you are sticking around, which is nice. But I want to get into this right away because, man, this is a... So this is a bit of a, a this is going to be a bit more of a biblical uh, look at things in general. So I'm going to title the episode appropriately. I know I didn't say anything in the last episode that would prepare anyone for this, but I think the title might might do that enough. So without further ado, I want to get into a bit of the Jordan B. Peterson, and I don't know what Jordan's middle name is, but his uh, Jordan Peterson's debate with Sam Harris or their long talk about what was it it was a it was a debate on how oh shoot i lost the title it's just part 1 that i had jordan peterson and sam harris had a debate basically based on biblical nature things and i want to get in straight away into some of the stuff so i've already deconstructed somewhat the differences between uh, the belief system that i hold and the belief system that dr peterson holds and still do agree with his interpretation of uh, belief in God, but I want to first defend Sam Harris's points while also acknowledging the fact that uh, the, the crowd did seem to be not as biased as one would hope in a public debate. So I just want to, I just want to open with that. I do understand that Sam Harris had some very good points that he made, and with that, I want to get into this first clip that I took of the debate. And I'm sorry about all the scratching noises. Um, I lost my cable to my microphone that I normally use, so I'm using the built-in microphone on the iPad. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. I need to get this episode out. I need to actually do something today as far as episodes are concerned and uh, recording and being consistent. So without further ado, here's the first clip of uh, Sam Harris, and it's on the topic of intuition. Uh, I think it's, it is a fundamental intuition to which our sanity, both personally and intersubjectively, is anchored. I mean, to lose a sense of objective reality is to lose the, the, the platform on which you can communicate oh, okay. with anyone and, or, or, or rationally expect anything to happen a moment from now. To, to, to think that your memory represents something about a prior state of the world and your beliefs represent something about a possible state in the future. All of this is anchored to a sense that there's a difference between knowing something really and just imagining it, right? There's a difference between perception and hallucination. All of these distinctions are born of this, this intuition. Um, I think we do have, clearly, we have fundamental intuitions which uh, are either impossible to analyze or can be analyzed with, res with respect to only other intuitions, which we, did, which we deem more rudimentary, uh, upon which everything else we do as a matter of knowledge gathering and sense making is built. So the, wow. the intuition that two plus two makes four, right? You know, you, you, at some point you learn basic arithmetic and you learn what addition is and it's demonstrated to you with objects and you're shown, you're shown you, you take two apples, and you take two more apples, and then you have four apples. Look, just count them. Uh, the, the intuition that that can be generalized to any four objects 
right? That it's not just a fact about apples, right? This is something that we uh, are clearly designed to have. So with all that, I want to get into these two things. So concerning the statement made by Sam Harris before this, and I didn't clip this and I, I should have clipped it better, but he made a statement about uh, how formal or traditional religion, such as Catholicism, strived, or, sorry, thrived quite nicely when paired with uh, fascism and communism. And a thought struck me, which is that I think that Sam Harris and I would get along quite well, uh, relatively speaking, because of the viewpoint that he holds toward fundamentalist, which is that as long as you go back to the scriptures in a position of uncertainty, then you'll be better off than someone who attempts to follow their own heuristic. And although we would disagree about those said fundamentals, we would agree that I'm at least logically, based on the set of principles that I've ascribed to, consistent. So as long as I'm logically consistent based on that, based on the groundwork that I've already laid out for myself as a, what would you call it, a structure of, uh, of uh, uh, grounding and anchoring principles, then I think that there would be a bit of mutual respect there, if nothing else. Now, I get his points, and I do understand that he's, uh, what would you call it, very against the idea of following a scripture as holy and infallible and something that he believes has been written by men, which is something that I disagree with. But then again, this is where this is where the divide is. The divide between fundamentalists and uh, people who are atheists, and Jordan Peterson says that he's not really an atheist based on uh, statements that he's made, which is, I mean, you know, there's an argument to be had there, but Based on our differing viewpoints, that's where the the divide is, is that I've chosen to follow a different set of ground rules and consider them to be infallible because in my mind, logically, there's no way to be any other way if you're going to claim to believe in what the scripture is saying. If you're going to claim to be a Bible believer, if you're going to claim to be a person who looks at scripture as the end-all be-all of every argument, of every uh, differing opinion you may have between you and anyone else, then you have to be consistent as far as you can. And as far as you can is essentially, or it should be essentially, the entire way. So there's, there's arguments to be made and, and uh, about Old Testament law and about New Testament rules and uh, freedom as a Christian and, and all sorts of different things. But keeping to the debate and what I've learned, I just, I think the only difference in opinion here is that he and Dr. Peterson have a different set of grounding principles. I'll say that. They are both extremely intellectual they are both extremely good at conveying their beliefs and their uh what would you call it their understandings we could call it but i think that that's where they differ and where i differ but with with, with all that being said um i want to get two two statements out of the way so concerning the statement made by Sam Harris as far as uh, formal traditional religion and such, I've come to the conclusion 
and and this is and at this point in my life i'm in a position where i'm trying to figure out where i stand in most things so politically religiously uh just in in society all sorts of different things but given that i'm sorry about the the sound on that um the ipad just switched from the internal mic to the headset mic either way aside from all that with that statement that just been made or that i stated that he stated because i don't have a clip of it about how formal or traditional religions such as Catholicism thrived well with capitalism, or sorry, communism and fascism. It also thrives pretty well with capitalism, but it it actually does a lot better be in in the other systems, being fascism and, and communism, because the church itself, the uh, institution of the church, gets a position of power that normally it wouldn't get in a capitalist system in which you know the the best product the market determines everything so given all that i believe that i am and this is i i, I believe i'm coining a new term here but i believe that i'm an, an anarcho-baptist and that i am an anarcho-capitalist and to break that down is that an anarcho-capitalist is one that believes that capitalism is the best system that has reared its head so to say in any civilization ever given its flaws but it's the best that we've come up with uh collectively ever because you still have the capitalist system but you're anarchist in nature in the sense that i don't want government i'd like to have everything on the individual and I've already made the statement before, and it's as simple as I can put it. The pothole system. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, as a community in your community, your community can pay for the roads themselves in a pool. And you don't need any kind of government intervention for that. But as far as interstate travel, as far as statewide travel, as far as anything of that nature, well, you will need some pool of resources to fund that. And there's plenty of systems that can be put in place for that as well, but there's not enough people who are passionate enough to get involved with a system like that. So for that reason, even though taxation is theft, I'm in the position that there are a there is a necessary evil when it comes to taxes as far as road systems being built and some public services. And that's my own take. I should go into that a little bit more in the future, but for now, that's as good as it's going to get. So in the same way that I'm an anarcho-capitalist when it comes to structures of government, I'm an anarcho-baptist in the sense that I don't believe that, well, I should say, my belief system tends to lean more towards the Baptist viewpoint, but I do believe in a lot of uh, metaphysical and extra-spiritual things as well, but... I don't believe in the structure of formalized religion when it comes to that. So a great example of this would be the, uh, what, what, which Baptist, uh, group is this? There's a major Baptist, not the Southern Baptists. There's the, uh, not the independent Southern Baptists, but let's use those as examples. Independent Southern Baptists or ISBs are the group that most Baptists do their best, their very best to try and, stay away from as far as marketing is concerned and for a good reason for the reason that they're the ones who put a bad name on baptist because of their institutionalization 
because everything is a power structure from the top down. If you want to get invited to speak anywhere, whether your message is biblical or not, you have to know the right people, you have to pay off the right people, and it just doesn't seem like a religious organization in general. It seems like more of a governmental situation and governmental in the traditional sense as far as what I spoke of in the anarcho-capitalist view. So for that reason, I've come to the conclusion that I am anarcho-baptist when it comes to religion and anarcho-capitalist when it comes to government. So as a final point on the debate, it's really hard to try and get an eclipse of it of the debate itself because the thoughts that Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson are so long and drawn out and they follow is such a uh, specific line of reasoning that if you clip it too early, you lose certain contexts and you you leave it open when you should have the whole clip. And if I clip the whole thing, I might as well just put the whole debate in here and make it as if it was some sort of review or something of that or a reaction video like they do on the YouTubes. So having said that, Sam Harris brought up the point that, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but he said, if the heuristics that guide the Christian worldview and the ones that guide the Hindu worldview both achieve a goal that is by all intents and purposes good, so if their end goal is good, meaning the result of their end goal is good, something that people can look at and say is good, then there must be a deeper level of reality that exists in which both systems are allowed to work because both systems are mutually exclusive. They are pretty much complete opposites when it comes to the teachings and when it comes to the figures and when it comes to the the gods that they serve or God that they serve or the rules as far as karma are concerned in the traditional sense. And I keep going back to that word traditional sense. But as far as we understand it in the Western world, karma is simply the, it is as simple as you do something wrong, something, or you do something bad, something bad comes back. What goes around comes back around to quote a pop culture song. But it gets taken to a whole nother level in the Hindu religion where if you see someone who's experiencing a bout of bad karma or their life is a bout of, bout of bad karma, point, case in point, a person who is born with a medical handicap or a, uh, is malformed in, this, in, in, in the way that they don't have arms or don't have legs or have uh, lost one of their five senses and it's detrimental to their success, something of that nature, and these people are essentially homeless and begging for money, you're not allowed to help those people out based on your belief system. Because if you do, you're interfering with that person's karma. And if you interfere with their karma, that interferes with your karma in the long run and your next life will be terrible. Not exactly in the same way, but it will be terrible by comparison. So to that degree, karma is wrong and goes against the Western worldview, but we use the word karma to distinguish that you do something bad, something bad happens to you. So that's my last point on it. I'm going to listen to the second uh, second half of the debate. I think there's three parts of the debate, but I'm not 100% sure. So I'm going to listen to it all. I like the mental gymnastics. I like listening to different viewpoints and ones that challenge my own because it either strengthens yours or breaks them down. And capitalist here too, It uh, the market decides. If something doesn't make sense to me or if something can't be reasoned with in my own mind based on the blindfolds that I've decided to put on in certain regards where I'm ignorant 
until I become knowledgeable, well, then that's what changes my worldview. So moving along, next point, uh, or actually, let me play the last clip. This one, this one is something that I want to talk about uh, real quick here. Let me play this for you. I mean, this is, this is the problem. Uh, this is what worries me about this. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you could do the same thing with the idea of, a, of ghosts, right? So, so people traditionally have believed in ghosts. It's, a, it's an archetype, you might say, the ghost. Survival of death is certainly an archetype. So they, and, and we know what most people most of the time mean when they say they believe in ghosts. And I say, I don't believe in ghosts. And you say, no, no, you, you do believe in ghosts. Ghosts are your relationship to the unseen. That's a ghost. So you, you have a, a, a new definition of ghost that you're putting in, in the place provided, which I have to say, well, of course I have a relationship to the unseen, so I, yeah, I guess I do believe in ghosts. You know, you win that argument. Uh, I should have put the fader on that uh, to where it would fade out. But one thing that was a good point by Sam Harris here was that if the goalpost gets shifted, so this is the point of the debate where Jordan Peterson was trying to explain to Sam that even though he says that he doesn't believe in God, he does believe in God just by a different description, where if you change someone else's description for them, then yes, you can get them to say, yes, I believe in that. And if you, who have changed the description of something, change it to mean something that they agree with, but give it the name of something that they don't agree with instinctively because their interpretation of that name or word is different, then you just shifted the goalpost while not accusing, but trapping the other person in a position where they now agree with you and your statements. So it's a bit disingenuous. And I agree that I'm kind of out of my wheelhouse here in correcting Jordan Peterson, but it is a bit disingenuous to say that Sam Harris does believe in God when he emphatically states that he does not believe in God and his definition of God is different than Jordan Peterson's definition of God. And I believe that's what these debates were all about, were to try and get them to find some common ground on what, not necessarily common ground, but to find a definition that both of them can agree upon as to what defines the word God. And do we both agree with the same definition? And if we do, is that the definition that is most ascribed to by most people? At least most people in a specific worldview. Because the Hindu definition of God is different than the Muslim. And the Muslim is different than the Christian. And the Christian is different than the Mormon. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? Anyway, that's something that I wanted to talk about. And like I said, I'm going to go back and listen to the second one and see what kind of deconstruction, so to speak, I can make of that one. Because, I don't know, maybe someone's going to listen to this and they're going to say, you know what, Claude, you thought of something that I didn't think of. That's very good of you to think of that. Or maybe someone's going to say, you're full of shit. I don't know, <laughs> but we'll see. Now, moving along, I wanted to make this point, and I wrote it down, and I'm going to go over it because I wrote it down, but I'm going to talk about something that kind of threw me off guard uh, about this. Because uh, on Fountain, there are, it's Podcasting 2.0 compliant, and it is, I mean, very compliant. It's always been, since its inception, it's been Podcasting 2.0 centered. But from the start, I knew there was going to be a time. We're extremely early in the podcasting movement with Podcasting 2.0. Anyone who's on this train is extremely early in the game. So when a newcomer comes onto the scene, and the newcomer already has a decent-sized audience on different platforms, or podcast platforms in general, just not podcasting, excuse me, 2.0, then that person 
when they come across to Podcasting 2.0 and then they say something to the effect of, hey, if anyone wants to participate in the value for value portion of this and make clips of my show to share with their own circle of influence, I'll shout out that person or like that comment or share that comment or boost you this certain amount. I think you underestimate the amount of people that will actually do that. Case in point, Jack Spierko. Jack Spierko runs the Survivalist Podcast, which is the best survivalist podcast, or not necessarily permaculture podcast, because there's a few good ones out there, like the uh, Permaculture Pastures podcast with Billy Bones. Uh, let me actually get the right one for that, because that one is one of the better ones that I'm listening to currently. Uh, that one was, let me see here, let me see here. Uh, it's actually not to call that. It's called the Permaculture Pimpcast. So the Permaculture Pimpcast is hosted by, where is that? episodes let's open this up let's see what we can find here um billy it's hosted by billy and um his son matthew i think is his name uh episode 21 is the most recent i still have yet to listen to that permaculture preparedness but either way i i looked at the comment section uh, or the boost section on pretty much every 2.0 enabled show that i listen to and in the comment thread, you get an idea of the engagement. If you get a 80-20 rule going, the uh, Pareto distribution, and you got 20... What's that sound? I didn't push anything. Oh. Ah. Dumb. The phone started playing music in the background. So if you get... Uh, what was it? If you get a list... Oh, shoot. If you look at... There we go. If you look at the comment threads of different podcasts in the 2.0 sphere, you'll understand that certain shows have a certain amount of engagement and certain shows don't. Jack Spearco's show has an, ins an insane level of engagement uh, comparatively to others, even comparatively to, no to the No Agenda show and to Podcasting 2.0. Almost consistently, every episode of his comes with a hundred boosts, uh, comments, boosts, uh, uh, some of them are just boosts, and some of them are comments as well, uh, or come with a, a boostogram as well. But man, it's it's insane. So I thought to myself, well, how in the world does Jack get to every single comment? How does he how does he do that? That doesn't make sense to me that he would reply or get to every clip at least. Where I mean, come on, I don't. No, then again, no one's ever made a clip of my show other than myself. But I've never received a notification of someone making a clip of my show. So to say that you're going to get to every single one of them, even if you do get notified. There's a lot of clips being made of the uh, Survivalist podcast. A lot. I make at least two per episode, probably, I think. So, uh, at least per episode that I listen to, because there's some episodes that I don't listen to very often, which would be the Expert Council, which I should probably, but not very often. So, then, after I put this thought into processing, into my notes for this episode that I'm putting out, Jack Sabirico donates uh, or boosts both of my clips with, I think, 50 sats each, which, getting back to it, that's like a cent each. But that's still awesome. That's still incredibly awesome that I would get boosted for each clip that I put out by the guy himself. So I think I underestimate how willing people are to reach out to their audiences and how willing the audience is to continue on with it. It's kind of wonderful to me. So as almost a last point, uh, I'm going to make this point now because I have uh, two more. 
two more points to make. So, and this this is going to be a shorter episode just for that reason, but I have a point to make. I don't, and this is nothing insane, but I don't have uh, a end of show ISO to play or end of show song to play on this one. I'll get another one on the next one, maybe, possibly, most likely, but not for this one. And that's just my bad. But I want to get into these two things. Apologetics and book reviews. So I said in my last episode that I would get into a book review, a book review on the Checklist Manifesto. And I don't have an insane book review here, but I have a book, uh, a portion of the book that kind of struck me that I want to talk about because I haven't finished, I haven't finished the book yet. So this is a take on, uh, or this is a take that most who read the book probably won't have go through their minds, but it's a, uh, it's a line from the book. <clears throat> oh shoot, I don't have the line. I don't have the line. Let me read this. Uh, actually, I don't have the line itself, but I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase here. In the book, uh, the doctor who wrote it, the surgeon, I don't even remember his name. Uh, I'll have to do better on my note taking. But he mentions that as complex as things are, you can have a checklist for most things, but at some point, you're going to have to change the system ever so slightly here and there even on something that's routine. And this is this is something that he mentioned with uh, surgery in general uh, first, because he did talk to a couple construction people, and those people, uh, they construct high-rises, and high-rises are a whole other beast when it comes to construction. It's one thing to build a birdhouse, and it's another thing to build a high-rise. It's one thing to build a house, and it's another thing to build a high-rise. So there's a whole lot that goes into play here, and something that got to me was on what was it the notion that i got was that subatomic levels of matter and I, I actually wrote this down so i'm reading it right here subatomic levels of matter are unpredictable so there's an element of faith that's necessary even in the purely scientific realm so because things are so unpredictable I mean, there's math for almost everything, and there is a way to make a mathematical formula for almost anything, but because things are still so unpredictable, and we can get to subatomics and uh, what you call it, quantum realm theory, and things of that nature, we won't because I don't know enough about it yet. I just know base baseline uh, surface level things about it, just kind of factoids. But because there is that level of unpredictability in the real world, I mean, the real world that we can perceive and that we can study and that we can theorize on, there's still an element of faith that's necessary. And by faith, I mean the belief in things that are unseen, the belief in things that are unproven, we could even say. Which actually, this brings me back to one more thing. One more thing. Okay, so Sam Harris. Sam Harris was talking about uh, intuition and his statement on intuition got me thinking because he was saying that intuition and shoot i'd like to play the clip again but i'm not going to he was saying that intuition if someone doesn't share the same intuition that he does then it's hard to interpret anything else that comes through that person's mouth right afterward and if you listen to it with an untrained ear you would not understand that there was no animus behind a statement it was more of a um, i i can't under I, I cannot understand not that i don't want to but I can't because we don't share the same intuition. Until you share the same intuition, then we can't be on the same page. And I got to thinking here, intuition isn't a scientific term unless you're talking about the realm of noetics. 
and noetic science is the realm of science that's kind of scoffed at by most uh, respected scientists because we're trying to find in the realm of in the realm of noetic science we're trying to find a an explanation for things that are metaphysical ghosts uh, the weight of a soul um, uh, psychic experiences out of body experiences after death experiences any of this we're trying to find a scientific explanation for this so unless you're talking about noetic science the word intuition shouldn't be used as a statement of fact and i'll explain that for this reason so i looked up the definition of intuition and it is a noun and it goes like this the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning a thing that one knows or considers likely from instinctive feeling rather than conscious reasoning and that doesn't sound like something scientific. But then Jordan Peterson comes back with the phrase a priori intuition. And I don't know what a priori means. I'm a pleb. So I looked that up as well. It's an adjective or an adverb. It can be used in either way. As an adjective, it means relating to or denoting reasoning or knowledge which proceeds from theoretical deduction rather than from observation or experience is aren't isn't observation part of the scientific theory and as an adverb it's defined as or it's it's defined in a way based on theoretical deduction rather than empirical observation that doesn't sound like it can be used in the same sentence. It sounds to me like an oxymoron to use a priori and intuition in the same sentence. And an oxymoron is a noun that means a figure of speech in which apparently contradictory terms appear in conjunction. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like because of the basis of uh, their lines of reasoning, they've come to a position to where they have to use phrases like this to justify the next statement because it is all a line of reasoning and i think they're doing something by saying these words in conjunction i think what they're doing is trying to follow that same line of reasoning but because it has something like the word intuition involved when it's supposed to be something that's scientific fact you have to use the word a priori to at least continue on in the reasoning that you have even though it seems like an oxymoron that's my own take on things. I could be wrong. I probably am, but there's that. Now, last point. Apologetics. Apologetics, when it comes to the Christian worldview, is the, not apologies, but it's a defense of your faith. And one argument that I hear a lot from people who are knocking on Christianity is that Christians will get some sense of comfort in relinquishing the things that they can't control to God and then use the phrase, well, it's all part of God's plan. But those very same people, and I'm putting Sam Harris in this boat. Now I don't. I'm not. I'm not knocking him, because I do respect him in a specific way. But those very same people are the ones who have put their faith in modern institutions and have relinquished relinquished control over to them. Now I'm gonna not use Sam Harris as an example here, because the example to use uh, to to use him as an example would be to get into some beliefs that he may hold that I don't understand yet because I haven't heard him say them. So I'm probably going to have to listen to his podcast to get an idea of that. But a prime example of this is anyone in your life who has said at some point, trust the science. Because they're the ones who will blindly receive anything from a so-called expert. 
and then just relinquish that responsibility to the so-called expert. And that, my friends, is a sense of faith. That is something that they knock Christianity for the same deal that they're doing. Christians relinquish their responsibility of, or not responsibility, they relinquish the things they can't control to God and then leave it out of their mind. And that's just something that is, you can call it a coping mechanism, and that's just fine. That's actually technically what it is. But it's the same thing on the other side of the argument, but now you're putting your faith in a scientist who is fallible. I mean, by definition of anyone who understands what the definition of definition of God is, is that God cannot be fallible. God has to be right in everything. So by definition, whether you believe in God or not, you have to believe that if you're going to use the phrase God, you're talking about a beam who a being who is infallible. So by definition, you are trusting someone who is fallible, which is a human, with your life, essentially, versus trusting a God who is infallible. So that's it. That's my apologetics segment. Um, I'm going to finish this off by reading off the boostograms that I got on my last episode. And I'm going to start off with the boost from Pitar. <laughs> Art, let's do this. Uh, I didn't change the money segments. So we're going to do that now. Okay, Pitar sends in a boost. I believe it was 5,000 sats. It says, still here, enjoying the show. I'm glad you dropped the live. If it starts feeling like a crappy job, then you won't uh, keep it up and you will be resentful. True, 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 100%. One of my favorite Peterson debates is the series where he works with his, uh, he, he works, um, where is it? Where he works out, there it is, where he works out his differences with Sam Harris. For a believer, it might not seem like a useful discussion, but in my opinion, there has never been a better intellectual discussion to bridge the divine between atheism and belief. And I agree with you. I agree with you. This this is probably the best that there has been or will be for quite a long time until we get another uh, set of thinkers on the same level in the same camps as these two, which I, I don't know who I can look at in the world that would take on this debate to the degree that they have. So it, it was great. And it is, it is good for a believer to do this. I, I, I think that it's good for a believer to go and look at the opposition, see what their arguments are, see how they form them and see if there's something that if you don't, if you can't defend your beliefs based uh, compared to someone who is at least in your own intellectual status, who, who at least shares your same position in the intellectual status hierarchy, then you should not hold those beliefs or at least spout them. So you can defend them, don't spout them. And then my last boost, uh, 2,000 sats from the Mere Mortals podcast. I think it might have been 2,500. Uh, it was from Kyron Down from the Mere Mortals podcast. He says, don't feel bad about opening the show in other places, Claude, or two other places, Claude. My ethic is that stuff should be available anytime, located everywhere and available for everyone. So it should be on Apple and Spotify. Another ethic that I will, uh, is that I will never accept any money or sponsorship and don't want other people putting ads around my podcast. These ethics clash and sometimes one wins out over the other. And that's where I agree with you. So I'm opening it up to other venues, but I will not ever intentionally put my show on a platform that dynamically inserts ads because I hate ads with such a passion that I don't want anyone else to suffer through them. And most of the time, these ads are not 
what I want to begin with. So there we go. I'm, I love the comment because you're supporting me in my endeavor, but that's the ethic that I'm holding to. And I respect your ethics. I really do. I mean, shoot, you run like three or four podcasts. So I, I understand where, where you're coming from and, and why you've chosen to follow these ethics. So with all that being said, this is Claude signing out for the Claudecast, episode 22. Shorter one, but I think it has a good amount of uh, information in it, and I hope some people got something out of it. See you guys in the next one. Peace. What is drip? Can my podcast give me five stars?